welcome back for episode two of the Mav Puckcast. I am John, along with Jason. So, John, start with uh, the two, say, new Mavs, right? Right. Uh, The Mavericks signed two, well, they didn't sign two new recruits. They got verbal commitments from two new recruits this week. And they're both two, Canadian, both players out of the Canadian junior ranks. Um, one is Alex Roy. I think it's pronounced Roy. Maybe it's like uh, Patrick Waugh from your uh, Colorado Avalanche. I don't know for sure. Uh, big kid, 6'6", 210 defenseman from up there. Um, sounds like maybe he knew Mike Gabinet. Uh, in one of the articles that I read about him, uh, plays for the Jamestown Rebels of the North American Hockey League. And mm-hmm. interesting tidbit, uh, former Mav Billy Puglisi uh, does scouting for that. He so. does. So the second one, uh, Brandon, we call him Scallon, I believe. Scan, yeah, Scanlon. I was going to say Scanlon, maybe. Yeah. And uh, he's in AJHL. Yes. Another defenseman, six foot three. Correct. Plays for the Brooks Bandits, which I'm very excited. I think this is the first play with my last name being Brooks. I'm excited to have a player from that team. It's a sign. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like he's a good offensive defenseman for the team. So two kind of big defensemen out of the Canadian junior ranks. What do you think? There's a hockey prospect site out of Canada that has a lot of player rankings and tracking of the Canadian kids and stuff. I found that uh, it just tells about where they've been, what they've done, and, and their trajectory and things like that. And it's amazing how far it goes back. Like, it goes back to like almost peewee on some of these kids and stuff. And so it was fairly interesting to see what what they were saying about these kids. I think both with both recruits, they talked about potential right. and expectations. And I guess that kind of scares me just a little bit in sure. the sense of, we're not talking about what they're capable of doing right now. We're talking about like, there's a huge upside to these kids. And I'm like, yeah, but that depends a lot on who can develop that upside when they actually get here. Exactly. I mean, and how they're going to fit in with the guys who are on the roster when they're playing here. I mean, I think that's a big thing with these recruits. And I don't know, maybe they're looking that these guys are going to be role players. I mean, maybe they will be breakout players. We're talking about defensemen, so... Yeah, you don't typically look for a lot of role-playing defensemen. I mean, right. you usually look for what we call system players. Right. Uh, you know, you're either going to play, uh, if you're going to play a fast transition type of game, you want puck-moving, fast-skating right. defensemen. Uh, if you play uh, more of like uh, Western Michigan played for a long time, Michigan yeah. played for a long time, uh, the old school North Dakota before Dean Blaze, that lockdown style. You're looking for big defensemen, uh, guys that have a lot of weight on their skates. So right. not necessarily like the six six two ten. You're looking more like the six foot two twenty five. Right. The I big, say like the bigger guys. Yeah. The former linebacker. Like yeah, exactly. I couldn't cut uh-huh. up playing football, yeah. <laughs> so I want to go knock some guys around. They get put people hockey. into the boards. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know they they play that clamp down style, and so I think. The one thing that that stood out to me is that you've got two defensemen that I don't look at them being necessarily the same system type of guys. Like it seems to me like one fits better into that more like lockdown defense and one fits better more Absolutely, into that. Absolutely, yeah. Scanlon would be the puck moving guy and yeah. Roy would be the yeah. 
And so it'll be interesting to see how that works because sometimes in, at least if you look at like NHL as an example, there are right. teams that have been successful having uh, a lot of times it's a right side defenseman that can move the puck and a left side defenseman that can uh, play a little bit more lockdown uh, battle in front of the net, move people around those types of things. Uh, and so, yeah, it will be quite interesting to see how they, how they mix and how they, they play together. Right. Yeah, it'll be an interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do when they come next season. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how they'll fit in, but I'm sure that our coaching staff has a plan for them. So. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have sought the, the recruits if he didn't feel like he had a place for them or, or a role that they could play. Uh, you know, something that they could do for the team. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see what coach has has planned for them. Next Absolutely. year, because both of them are uh, nineteen twenty. Yeah, and I think I think one of the guys it's his last year of uh, eligibility for mm-hmm. juniors, so they're a little bit Roy, yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. older. Yeah, uh, and so he, that I think that helps because I yeah. like the fact that they're going to be guys that are a little, little bit, bit more mature. mature. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes there's a there's a drawback to that because sometimes the younger guys are the more sought after recruits, but I think. Uh, in this instance, uh, it's good to have some guys with some experience uh, back there on the blue line. So yeah, and you know these are guys that you don't really anticipate seeing them on an NHL draft roster next summer or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Uh, mostly because of their age. So these are guys that might follow a, a semi different path, kind of yeah. if they're going to you know make that jump to the next level. And I know I think it was Scanlon that talked about in his interview. Uh, with CanadianProspects.com about what what his reasoning for coming to UNO was and talking about you know wanting to develop and take the next step and how college hockey was kind of seen as that way for him. So it's nice that he's at least looking at it. So an opportunity to kind of prove himself, like a lot of Mavericks have done over the years, prove himself at UNO and kind of make himself attractive to. And for a lot of those Canadian kids, I mean, unless you're unless you're top end talent right um or playing in a you know toronto montreal yeah kind of demographic area right like right you don't you don't, you're not going to have the scouts out there so so coming down to college in the states it's yeah. a lot easier for mm-hmm. an nhl scout to hit you know he could probably hit oh yeah two three games in a weekend yeah so. absolutely yeah on that topic mike gabinette's was on 590 AM this week. He was talking about the team, about the exhibition game that you and I just watched. Right. And speaking of exhibition games, he also was saying that maybe he would like to see college hockey teams have an opportunity to play more exhibition games, more preseason games, to be able to evaluate the players prior to the start of the, the season. And I think his thinking was when you're in a conference like the NCHC and playing just NCAA teams in general, those pairwise rankings are so important. And those games at the beginning of the season can come back to either help you at the end or come back to bite you at the end. And I think he's thinking, I want a chance to be able to look at these guys, see how they fit together, see what kind of lines I want to have. What do you think about uh, having I, an extended exhibition season. You know, I, I agree with the concept of it. I, you know, I certainly see where coach is coming from. Right. The, 
you do not get the same look at these kids in a in a practice or in an inner squad match or anything like that. Sure. We've talked about it, you know, off the podcast, but you know, you get you get a a split squad type of of scrimmage and you know, these guys, you're trying to get them to bond. You're trying to get them to gel as a group right. and and find some common bonds within them. And then you ask them to hit each other. Now, I, exactly. I would love it because they, in the early years of the program, they, they had this. And I would love to see it again as a fan. But from that perspective, it's not really a good way to evaluate your team. Right. So it's an opportunity for the guys to get out there and get some ice time. But it is an interesting concept. And I know you were talking, potentially you brought up the Maverick Stampede. And, and this is something that I remember very well um, from the early years because I was right. involved on the Maverick Stampede Committee. It was a great early season tournament that the Mavs did, uh, bringing in three other NCAA teams to play in that. And you had suggested an idea. Do it as a preseason tournament. Bring in, you would have UNO, bring in a couple of Canadian teams. Right. And then one other college team. Right. And the game against the college team wouldn't count in the standings, in the pairwise, anything else. It would be considered a preseason matchup. But it would be a current Division One team. Exactly. One of the teams that we either might be playing or maybe a team that we wouldn't be playing that season, but a chance to get kind of that good game experience against mm -hmm. the type of competition that we're going to be facing during the season. And I think it would be helpful to do uh, a team that we don't, we don't get to see very often, you know? Right, like an ECAC type team or a hockey Atlantic East hockey, team. Yeah. Atlantic hockey, yeah. Those types of, yeah. I mean... You get one of those clubs that, you know, they're looking for the same thing. They're also looking to evaluate their team and their players, you know, and to some degree their staff right. and, and how their coaching staff coaches and how the training staff uh, handles game situations. So I think it could be nice if you could convince the NCAA to say, look, give us a game against a D1 team that we cannot count uh, the first game, you know, every season if right. you want it. Uh, I think you'd see a lot of these teams that don't have to deal with... And I look at teams like uh, Minnesota and Michigan that have a little bit more... Um, they don't have as much freedom with their scheduling because of all of the activities that happen on that campus in the fall. Right. Uh, and they're competing with, you know, football. They're competing yeah. with these other large sports sure. in the fall. And so to say, look, just come here. Come to, come to little old Omaha and... We'll guarantee you a Sunday game. You'll play against us. We both get a chance to, you know, play quote unquote D1 real level hockey. Right. And we both get uh, two games of warm up against some Canadian team. And I think you look at those Canadian teams and they get the opportunity. I know there's some that have done this where they've gone and, and played kind of a home and home like, uh, like what we just saw with Manitoba where they did right. North Dakota and then came to here uh, where you'd have a team. They used to do this, but. Uh, in Denver, we saw them with Colorado College back when they used to have more uh, quote-unquote preseason games if they were not Division One or Division Three, And so they'd bring in two Canadian teams and they'd play like, one would play Friday night in Denver, one would play Friday night in Colorado Springs, and then they'd swap. Sure, exactly, because those teams are in close proximity. And I think... Travel cost is the same, right? And I, if I recall correctly, there might have been one year with the Stampede where they weren't able to get... Uh, one of the teams, so they might have had Manitoba be the participant, one of the participants in that four-team thing. Right. Uh, and so 
it, you could potentially do that. Now, I will say as a fan, I don't yearn to watch more games against Canadian right. uh, college high. I mean, I you know, the idea, because like you and I were talking about, you know, Coach Kemp at one time had had the idea of pushing the, the season, you know, essentially back a month where you would start it like in early to mid-November instead of October. That creates a lot of issues at the end as far as venues uh, for the Frozen Four and that type of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't really yearn to have a thing where you play like, two weekends against Canadian teams. And I'm sure that, you know, the folks at Baxter arena, uh, that are, you know, in charge of the program don't, you know, relish the idea of, uh, two Canadian exhibitions, but your idea, but if it's in one weekend, I think it's an easy, yeah, I think if you do that in one weekend, and I think it's kind of an interesting concept having, uh, NCAA team participate in that as an exhibition type game. I don't know if people would like that. Um, I, I think the fans might like that. I don't know if the other NCAA schools would go along with that, but I like the idea mm-hmm. and I like that thinking. So it'll be interesting to see if they ever do anything like that. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but I do understand where Mike Gabinet's coming from. He's like, we just basically jump right into the season. Right. You get you get one opportunity to see guys. You can only play them so much in that game. You play a larger roster. So your guys that are averaging, say, 15, 18 minutes are probably only going to get... 12 in in that exhibition game and so it's like you get some some evaluation but not a ton right and i guess i'm trying to remember wasn't there was a season recently right where we didn't play our exhibition till like january wasn't it wasn't that within the last couple years of baxter arena was that at baxter I'm trying to remember. We played, I think maybe it was Lethbridge or something, kind of right after the first of the year, because maybe we didn't. I'm trying to remember. I think we opened Baxter Arena just with Air Force. I don't think we had an exhibition game before Correct. That. We did not have an exhibition. Okay. And, but that, I think, that dealt more with the... With the arena opening. opening. That's, yeah, that was yeah. kind of... It was, it was a weird circumstance. But that, again, that was, a, that was a season where you just kind of jumped right into the season. So. And we talked about the, the issue with, you know, with Gabnet's desire to to have more of a preseason is what's your draw because there's a cost to putting these things on to having these kinds of things and unless you're going to go to some format where you're going to play you know manitoba at grover ice rink or yeah or or play them in the practice rink just have them yeah Yeah. exactly just just get a practice in with them as they're driving through on the way to right denver or north dakota or wherever it happens to be i mean but even there there's a cost associated with all those types of things so it's like how do you how do you turn that around and fund that exactly and And that's where i think the tournament idea for me is that the draw really is that Sunday night game. You get to see UNO against play the NCAA something else. against a potential marquee type, like an Ohio right. State or Michigan or something like that. It's kind of yeah. an, it's an interesting concept. I like that. So maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to you know uh, send that to the coach and see what he thinks about that. Or maybe we'll get lucky enough that he's actually listening. Right? We can we, we can we only can only hope. hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a, a proper lead into what we thought about tonight's exhibition game against Manitoba. So why don't you talk about what your what your thoughts were on what you well, saw tonight? It's, it's always hard to to glean a lot from an exhibition game, but I think the biggest takeaway that I had was those young players, those freshman players coming in, look like they have a lot of potential for this team. In particular, Tyler Weiss, 
I mean, he yeah. looked good. He looked really good. And I know some people were saying he's kind of small in stature. He needs to put he some is. weight on. And he will. He does. <laughs> he will, yeah. Let's feed him yeah. some steak here. But I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, that fourth goal that he scored was a beautiful goal. Oh, um, yeah. The little, the, the dangle through the defenseman yep. and pop it over his yeah, blocker in yeah. the corner. That was, uh, well, and even I think the plays Gabnet talks about this every once in a while. I don't know if he talked about this on the radio show or not, but he talks about making plays when you don't have the puck. And Tyler's one of those classic kids from what I've seen that everyone knows what he can do with the right. puck. The question I think for him is always like, is he, is he prepared? Is he willing to do the things that he needs to do away from the exactly. puck? And I was very impressed with how he recognized lanes and yep. filled some of the lanes that led to turnovers. Uh, you know, he had a really good one where he cut off uh, uh, maybe 15, 20 foot pass right at the blue line and was able to kind of dangle that through a forward's legs and give us a great scoring opportunity uh, just off that quick turnover right at the blue right. line. So I think that more of that stuff, uh, I do think his size is his size is going to come into question when we start playing the Denver NCAA. And that's what we're talking about. You know, he did great against Manitoba, right? But how will it be when he's getting pounded by North Dakota, Denver, St. Yeah. Cloud, etc.? But it'll be interesting to see, and they'll they'll. I think he'll. I think he'll be fine. The, Prima was the other one. That, that was. I loved Primo. That's yeah. what I, that's what I was saying after the game. He's a he's a big kid. He's got size. Uh huh. And obviously, you know, people always focus on the goals. But there was something about, I mean, there was just, he had a real presence there in the offensive zone. I thought he was just a really intriguing player to watch tonight. Right. He looked really good. I, I just think he's going to be good as the season progresses. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, a lot of those, a lot of those freshmen, you know, yep. even some, of, I think the other thing that, that stood out to me was even some of those returning sophomore players. Right. Cole Pickup. Yeah, Cole Pickup had a big game. He was, he was all over the ice tonight. Last year, when we saw him early on, I was excited about him because I, I was I too, read yeah. all the stuff coming yep. in. I'm like, this guy's got, he's got some talent. And it'll be, it'll be nice to see that on display. Uh, I thought he'd gel well with some of the guys uh, that, some of the seniors that we left. I thought he'd be a good pairing for some of them. Um, and it didn't seem like it panned out. I think the first game, I, I had said afterwards that he seemed kind of lost. Yeah, a little bit in, in where he should be and what he should be doing and all those types of things. And, and, he and that wasn't yeah. the case tonight. No, he saw a lot of ice time tonight, yeah. which I'm really, I'm really glad about. He's a player that I was excited about like you last year, and we didn't get to see him in the lineup a lot. So I think, you know, again, you've got guys depart. And I think he'll become a, 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 a bigger factor for the team this yeah. season. I really do. And I, I, again, he was all over the ice. He was hustling. He was moving. And I thought the team moved really well tonight. I thought there was a lot of obviously when you're playing a team that's played in however many games that they play and they had to bus out of North Dakota, North Dakota last, last night. night. So this was yep. probably a, you know, a, a tired team on the ice, but, but I thought he looked really good, but yeah, but. I think there's still last podcast. We talked a little bit about like chemistry on the ice right. and, and how uh, you need to kind of find that. I liked that Gabnet kind of experimented with a lot of the guys. Yep. Like let's throw, these two out there on the wings with sure. this center, then let's switch the center up on him and see if we can find a, a combination that just seems to, to really click. I thought first period, uh, we, we were fighting the puck a lot. I thought we struggled to hit our passes very well. We still struggled 
in the third with hitting our passes. Right, that's, yeah. And I think that's something they need to work on. I assume they will work right. on. But, I mean, you can make... We always say when you play some of these teams like Manitoba and that stuff, right. you can afford to make those kinds of mistakes. You can. Uh, North Dakota, Denver, St. Cloud are going to put that in the back of your net. Yeah, right exactly. Now. Yeah. You know, when you when you mess up the outlet pass to a forward that's on your own blue line, exactly. that's going to turn around and be in the back of your net oh, probably yeah. six out of ten times. Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. It was The other thing that was interesting is that sometimes during these exhibition games, when when you look at the guy between the pipes, sometimes they'll do a goalie each period. Well, mm-hmm. here they did... Winninger half the game, half. and they did Tomek mm-hmm. half the game. Right. And Tomek looked good. I thought he, he looked good, He was pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. The goal that he let in was four on three, which is always an yeah. odd way to to defend a penalty kill, uh, especially in an exhibition. It's like, well, it is, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah, it is Manitoba. The, the, you the may last, not practice it at all. Yeah, Manitoba, so. the last two nights, they find a way to score like right at the end of the game, which is kind <laughs> of interesting with that. Uh, that team, I thought he looked good. Obviously, he didn't, you know, neither goaltender faced a lot nope. tonight, you know. Uh, it wasn't like... But they were quality stuff. They, they may were, not have yeah. been a lot of pucks on, on net, but, but they there were put, some quality were some scoring shots, teams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I know Evan, when it was 0-0, made a couple really good saves. He really did. You let one of those in, and who knows? A lot of times... In a game like this, it becomes, oh, we should be beating these guys, so let's try to do everything ourselves, and they lose track of the system. And there's a lot of things that can happen when you get a team that you're supposed to beat that suddenly gets that first goal. Yeah, we saw that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We saw that last night uh, with Manitoba playing North Dakota. We saw Mm -hmm. it in the exhibition that Denver played last night against Canadian School. I think they played University of Alberta last night. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so you never know. Even Minnesota versus Duluth. I oh, mean, yeah. Duluth was a different team when Minnesota went up one night. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and I think they were they were lucky to get out of there with a, a tie in yep. that game, but uh, they are going to get smoked if that's a, a sign of things to come. Like Duluth needs to figure that stuff out because oh, yeah. they can't they can't get down just because it's a goal, especially a goal in the first. Period. Yeah, you can't have those mental breakdowns, especially right. if my prediction last week is you know <laughs> to hold true that they're going to repeat as national champs they <laughs> i think uh, you know, i those... think my pick for st cloud's looking better and yeah exactly yeah exactly right yeah i know yeah and yeah <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see i think overall i thought that there were some promising aspects to the mavs tonight i thought the particularly the freshmen i thought they looked good so what'll be interesting is our roster tonight is more than what our roster can be Absolutely, on Friday. Yeah. And so do you who do you think's gonna get scratched? Do you think it's determined already? Or do you think it's uh let's see how practice goes this week? I think it may be how practice goes this week. It'll be interesting to see. The question is, do you think you know the starting lineup will be a bunch of returning favorites? Or do you think we're going to see somebody like Tyler Weiss in that starting lineup on Friday night. Uh, I don't, I don't expect that we'll see him start the game, but I think he'll be in the game. Weiss and Primo are two that I see unless something goes crazy during practice. They're two that I suspect will be on the team. I would imagine they, yeah, I would imagine they will be too. Uh, Taylor Ward was the other one. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, he was he was in the play a lot. Uh, he's, I don't, I don't know. 
I don't get the feeling from this preseason game that we'll see him score a ton of goals. Right. Uh, but ironically, I see him kind of being a little bit of like the guy who just left wearing his number uh, with no guard. So I think that'll be a... A little more of a, a gritty guy. Kind of the, yeah, yeah, we talked about role players. Like yep, he seems role like player kind of there, one yep. of those guys. He might get a few, especially if they had him for a while with Tyler, uh, with Weiss out there, yep. you know, and that was an interesting combo because he was crashing the net pretty well when yep. when Tyler was out there and Tyler seems pretty good about, you know, having that vision. We saw it uh, at the U.S. under 18 team that he's on. Uh, he'll find you if you know where to go, so. Uh, Kevin, yeah. Con- Kevin Conley. Uh, yeah, Conley looked pretty good. I yep. expected a little bit more out of him, but um, I mean, he looked he looked good enough that I think he's got a chance. Yeah, uh, I'm going through the roster, seeing because there were a couple that I was like, I just don't were they scratched or you know sometimes right it's one of those, exactly like, I, I just wasn't didn't sure either. Yeah, did I just um, so there was uh, Travis Cothenbutel. That was one that I was like, was he? He was there. I actually, yeah, I was. I think he I was played. keyed in on him because Gabinette had mentioned him on the radio show on Five Ninety as somebody who had uh, shown a lot of promise in some of their uh, workouts here. So, Kopecki uh, was another one that I don't remember. Right. And sometimes, depending on what their style of play is, sometimes that's yeah. okay. Uh, what Gabinet needs, maybe they don't need that. You know, draw Absolutely, some attention yeah. away from a guy type of thing. Um, Smallage was one. What Jason did you, Smallage? What did you think of him? Well, I, he was out there. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, obviously, you know, obviously you're, if you're me, you're focused a lot on the forward. So, you know, you're mm-hmm. not as much focused on the defenseman, but I think he'll be a good player on the team. I, I'm excited about those. Def- and another guy that I really liked that I did notice tonight was uh, John Schultz. Mm-hmm. playing defense. I think he'll be a really good defenseman for the team this year. Um, so I think both of those guys have a lot of promise. It's always hard to tell. Like I said, it's always hard to tell in an exhibition what you've got. But both of those guys, I think, will be... I think they have a future. Yeah. I I felt Schultz probably did a little bit better job. Yeah. Small edge, I thought was... He was a little out of position on a lot of things. There okay. were some defensive plays where I... Just personally, as a fan, did not like kind of where he was, where he was looking and where he was hanging out, and so I think he's, I think he he deserves probably another year in practice with the team, learning the system, learning kind right. of you know maybe play him in some games here and there. Uh, I think he's certainly one that you have to if you're uh, if you're a starting defenseman, you know, I'll throw Bukta out there, not like I'm against him or anything, but like if you're Bukta and you're thinking my job's safe, this is the kind oh, of kid that not. says your yeah, job's yeah, yeah. not safe. Yeah. And the thing we have to remember too is this is their first significant game action. So the, the guys looking a little bit out of sync is not necessarily unusual. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, so, you know, I... They're rusty, I would say, as yeah. a team... There were, you know, we talked about the passes at the beginning and stuff. There was a lot of rust to work off. We were not, yeah, we were not seeing tape to tape passes. So, yeah, there was a lot of that chippy kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I think, I think they'll iron it out over the course of the season. The, the, well, like we talked about with the whole cabinet thing, the problem is, is the season starts. You don't have a whole lot of time to work that off. Well, and you're dealing with a head coach and I understand his 
kind of frustration with that. It's, you know, you're dealing with a guy who, this is his first recruiting class coming in, you know, by all accounts, the assistants were kind of hamstrung during the season when Gabinette was assistant as far as recruiting went. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to evaluate a lot of guys very quickly, and you've got a lot of new guys on the roster. Granted, you have 10 seniors on the roster, but you've got a lot of new players on the roster. So it'll be interesting to see where they end up meshing um, into this roster and what kind of combinations end up working best yeah. for the team. And we'll see what Gabinet decides to do. You know, they talk about it at the NHL level, about not rushing a player up through right. ECHL, AHL kind of levels. And so it'll be interesting to see who he thinks maybe, maybe there's players out there, especially on D a lot of times, I, I see this more so, where you're close, you're good, you're going to be good for, you know, multiple years to come. But now is not the time to put you in a roster where you risk them losing confidence. Right. Because some of these kids, you know, you see kids going to college and stuff and they falter. And it's not a, it's not a talent thing. It's not a skill right. set thing. It's a, yeah. they just, they made some mistakes and they got beat early and now their confidence is shot and they don't think they can do what they know they should. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, many years ago, a, a goaltender like Goals, Jeremy, yeah. du Jeremy DuPont for UNO, I think, you know, I know that his dad wanted him to go play college early and I really think he would have benefited from more time playing in the uh, junior Lower ranks. Levels, yeah. yeah. I think, I think, I think they almost brought him in too soon and I think it ultimately it mm -hmm. stunted his career with UNO and I think it, you know, it can. It happens, I'd say, every year you could go through NHL rosters and find yeah. kids that were moved up too early. And, yeah. uh, you know, we were... I was in Colorado for the opening of the, the NHL season. That, and got sounded a like, that sounded like a fun had, little trip you had. It, it was an awesome trip. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of envious of that. So we had, a, we had an opportunity to see the Avalanche play on Thursday, and then we had gone up the road to see their AHL team. Uh, the Colorado Eagles play very cool on Friday, and you know it's it's interesting to see for me at least to see the talent and, and skill set things. But uh, coming out of you know being a huge Avs fan and, and following that stuff, you know everyone's talking about Martin Cott and what that kid can do and how oh he was a, I saw it like two people on NHL.com say oh he's a shoe in to make the Avs roster and then to see him play for for Colorado and then watching him play, going yeah this kid just. Like, it's a different speed thing. It's a different game coming from Europe to the right. United States. And I think the Avs saw that and said, he he has the talent to play in the NHL, but if we push him too early, he's going to start second-guessing himself. And so to put him down in the AHL where he gets a chance to kind of get his feet wet kind of scenario. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I think the same thing can be said for what you look at with some of these freshmen players is they may have this skill set uh but maybe they don't gel well or maybe Gabnet's looking at his recruiting class coming in saying he works better with this guy and if i give him too much time now there may be conflicts with with that chemistry later on so sometimes exactly. you hold them back saying look it's it's always a it's delicate a balance because some because right, right. Cause sometimes if they hold them back then sometimes you can have you know kind of those emotional issues with a player where they don't feel like they're being played enough. Some players, it can actually motivate them to do better and to improve, to kind of earn their way 
into more playing time into right. that starting lineup. You just it's a it's a delicate balance, and I would not want to be a coach trying to figure that out because it's it's not an envious position to be in. It, Absolutely, we've yeah. we've seen that many many times where a player doesn't feel like they're getting a, a fair shake or getting their due, and and so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see with some of these guys. I don't know, uh, but we did get to see a number of them a lot, and like like you said, I liked uh, Tyler Weiss. I like Chase Primo. We're both probably, I would say, the the two freshmen that really stood out stood to out. me tonight. I think so, man. Yeah. So, hey, before we sign off on this one, there was one thing that I wanted to bring up about the exhibition game and get your take on. Throw this out from left field here. The energy in that building was like an unfilled balloon. I mean, <laughs> it was just, and I don't know if I'm just, you know. We talked about my trip to Colorado. I may be a little bit on the like high side of things, not to like no pun intended on Caro high side thing. Well, I was gonna say, were you there for but... opening night? It was that opening night for the Avalanche? Yeah, Thursday was opening night. Friday was opening night for the Eagles, and then uh, okay. the Flyers were in town on Saturday, so we stuck around to, to see a second okay. NHL game. But the, I mean, even even up at the Eagles, I mean, the the arena was loud. This just the the PA system and stuff was right. was loud and the announcers were energetic and they got the crowd going and they had a lot of uh, crowd interaction things right. where they do uh, we do some of these you know the the what they do the karaoke thing and stuff like that some of those right. like little like yeah fan engagement kinds of things um but man I got to tell you like you go to an NHL game or an AHL game and it's on a whole nother level. And you, yeah, you need more of the, that's one of the things that we've debated for a long time with UNO hockey is atmosphere or right. lack thereof. And, and, you know, during the years downtown at the CenturyLink center, the thought was, well, if you get them in a smaller intimate arena, again, like they had at the civic, then the atmosphere is going to improve. Well, that obviously, you know, has kind of hit or been hit or miss at Baxter arena. There've been some big games where it's gotten loud, but the big thing is, trying to sort of stimulate participation with the fans in that arena. Right. And that goes to some of the graphics that you show on the board. It goes to what the PA announcer does. There are things that you can do with music, the band, et cetera, that really get the fans into the game. And I just don't think that they're doing them. I, I sometimes think that they just kind of sort of rest on kind of doing what we've always done with some right. of those traditions. And I, I'm with you. It's just, it is kind of a, a, you know, lackadaisical environment for want of a better. And it's hard because I don't know, you know, we talked about, when we talked about players and stuff, you know, is it just because it's a preseason game or is this a, a, an ongoing thing with any you know, one player or something? And I don't know if it's just because it's a preseason game and there weren't a ton of people there. Right. It was but early, I'd say yeah. even last year, I'd say like, there were, yeah. Just simple solution. Crank the volume on the PA system. Like oh, make it nice and loud and get people. Cause I think that just gets your, I go to the as games and you walk in from the very get go, they've got music playing during warmups and stuff and it's loud and, and it's, it's energetic hot. music. Yes. That's the big thing. We just, I, it's, I mean, I can honestly tell you having sat there tonight, I really don't remember any of the music that was right. played during the game. I mean, other than the little unleash the fury bit that they do before the third period, I did not, you know what I'm saying? I just, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of that going on. Now, maybe right. that's because they're not in mid-season form, but like you said, it is. And you do feel like if they made it a more fun, exciting environment, yeah. 
Well, and hopefully later on in the year, hopefully not even later on in the year, I mean, we got Notre Dame as, as the next right. home series. So I think if we get some more students there, you know, get them engaged and jumping around and, and, and energetic yep. and going, uh, you know, hopefully that energy funnels to the rest of the arena. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it'd be really cool if we, we just over time kind of introduced and worked in some new chants. I know that some people might not want to do that, but I, you know, I think it'd be kind of interesting to kind of, you know, maybe have the chance on the board, you know, yeah. for those people that maybe haven't been to a lot of games or maybe this is their first game and they don't know some of these. Because, um, because a lot of times you'll, you'll hear some of these chants in various parts of the out. arena. And so people can't make it out or they just don't, you know, they're not motivated to participate, but you're right. If you have it up on the board, why are they talking about Mike weaving a cat? They'll do it. And, Speaking of, you know, Colorado-based teams. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Mike, yeah, you can you can meow zap pop and microwave the cat, which is which is a it's a good cheer and people would like to participate with that, but they don't know what it is. And right. that's the way I think it was like it's kind of like, you know, you're uh, uh you and I both like the Denver Broncos. I mean, yep. the incomplete thing. I mean, the whole stadium does that. And I believe that that was something that they had put up oh, yeah. years on ago the, on the on video the board. Side. Yep, on yeah. the banner video boards. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I'd like to see more of that too. And I think there's a lot that could be done. And I really think it's just getting everybody, the, the students, the Red Army, and the video guy on the boards, getting all of that coordinated so mm -hmm. that it looks like, you know, we're all doing this together as an arena so that people join in on that stuff. And it becomes a lot more fun. And I remember going to even like Rockies games and they'd have first versus third and the baselines yeah. and it would be, you know, one side yells and the other side yells. Absolutely, and it's like, yeah. It's like, it's like fun competition between the arena. Like you could have a, you know, bench side versus, well, oh, home absolutely. side versus bitter side in ours. And, and this is this is not the days when you have like a static kind of analog, you know. Right. You know, board. There is <laughs> an actual kind of beautiful, board. yeah, there's this beautiful video board. Oh, so that can do. Yeah. I, I think they ought to, yeah, I absolutely, I'm, I'm with you. It was also kind of warm in there tonight. I know that that's... <laughs> But it was. I was like, normally I, Family you know, I need a jacket that, in here, but it was a little, it was a, a little, a little yeah. warm, so that might have kind of lulled people to sleep. And it, you know, obviously didn't help being the, the fact that there weren't that many people there. But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I would like to have something where I just feel like pumped up and energetic, and excited, yeah, adrenaline flowing. And exactly, it'd be fun. Yeah, so that I'm not, you know, tempted to just sit there and flick through Twitter the whole <laughs> <laughs> during all the breaks and play, you know. Yeah, it is pretty comical that the minute the puck stops and the whistle blows and then people all the like, people like looking at their screens. So maybe that's maybe what's that's really the... great is I love this is the the whistle will blow and I see all these people sitting around us that look down to their phones yeah. and then you hear the whistle go a couple of times and they look up like wait wait why are they still blowing the whistle? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, because there's two guys like literally pushing each other like, yeah, exactly. on the verge of fighting and you totally <laughs> missed it. It is. It's really killed atmosphere having those devices. So yeah, we. As much as you and I love them. We, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So anything else we need to talk about before we, we sign off? I think that was a, it was fun to get to see the team out there, kind of work out some of the rust, uh, work out some of the kinks. And it'll be very interesting to see how they do this upcoming weekend at Union College. Mm -hmm. Go on the road. Could be good for the team. A chance to kind of gel when you're, when you're on the road, there's pretty much nothing but teammates. So you've got team dinners, team lunches, you know, you eat together, you, you've got your roommates, you see all the time. So you can really kind of start to, 
Uh, a lot of times, I know a lot of coaches will put. It's a good a opportunity for them to bond or, when you yeah. go on those road trips together. Absolutely, so. and it'd be good matchup against uh, what's been a good ECAC team uh, for yeah. UNO. So we got a win on. I'm very excited, Saturday, and, so, yeah. and yeah, and then we'll then we'll be back in a couple weeks for Notre Dame, Notre Dame. which should be awesome. So. Well, so that's all we've got for this episode of the Mav Podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, we appreciate the positive feedback and response you guys have given us, and we are going to work diligently to get as many of these out as we possibly can. Probably not two a day or not, anything not, crazy Not like twice that. a week or, you know, yeah. Yeah, every single day I'll be moving into Jason's, you know, spare room. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I, I, we'll, we will do. Because... But you never know. You know, we set up a Patreon page and... and... Yeah. The few yeah. listeners we have, you guys all shell in a couple grand and maybe yeah, we, can, we, can, do we this. can start doing something Yes, like that. so we would love to do this full time. So all the all the positive feedback, all the listens are really appreciated. So thank you guys and so much. definitely move us closer to that. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Absolutely.